Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Haney from Rama Word of Faith, the Word Church. And again, welcome to another exciting broadcast of Faith on Fire. We're going to ignite your faith on fire before this episode is over. <laughs> again, we've been talking about abiding in his love. Again, abiding. I like to define words as I'm uh, studying the Bible, spending time with God. Abiding means to to live in, to just, it's like a child wants to abide in his mother's bosoms or in his father's arms. He said, you guys abide in me like that. Live in, live in me. And I was just reading again out of John 15. Look what, I'm going to start at verse 9. As the Father loved me, and this is Jesus speaking, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Whoo, look at that. Abide in my love. Then he goes on to say, if you keep my commands, which is his words, you will abide in my love. Oh, if I just do what you instructed and your commands are not grievous, he say, I abide in his love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Oh, that's a good thing that God, Jesus' joy will remain in us and that your joy may be full. See? God desires our joy to be full. We talked about that on this broadcast about Christians that walk around like they have no joy. <laughs> and the scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is your strength. But look what he says in verse 12. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Emphasis on as I have loved you. That's Jesus. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all the things I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. I like this verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give to you. These things I command you that you love one another. So, again, love. God is love. It's about us loving one another. And as we do, do what he instructs us in his word, because all his word is good. That's what we mean when we say God is good. Because him and his word are one, and it's good. He says you can ask what you desire as you start abiding in me. It's just, again, relationship. Husband and wife. 
If I love my wife as Christ loved the church as I'm instructed to, there's nothing my wife wouldn't do for me. And, and I'm sure vice versa, because it's reciprocal. We're abiding in one another. That means we, we sacrifice for one another. And God says, that's what I, I, I've sent a sacrifice, Jesus, for you. Is just abide in me. Yeah, trust me. Abide in my love. First Corinthians 13, love never fails. God is love, so he will always be into eternity forever. So that means love will be into eternity forever. Love never fails. So we never fail. Love always protects. There it is. Love always watches out for the other one. You know, I love that verse where he says that love always protects. Because we're to protect each other. We're to watch out for each other. And that's with spouses. That's with parents and children. That's with everybody. We're to look out for other people's interests. We're to protect them. We're to protect their dignity. We're to protect their feelings. We're to protect every aspect of them. That's what love does. So... If you are not protecting somebody, and and this is why gossip is so heinous, I think, in God's sight. When you gossip about somebody, you're certainly not protecting them. You're you're putting them out there for people to hear about with the idea that they will look bad. Right. Love doesn't do that. Well, the scripture says, you who are spiritual, if one falls, you who are spiritual, lift them up. And it says, if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. He's saying that should be the mindset. And again, I know Christians don't really think like that because I, I see them how they operate when those opportunities come for you to lift another brother or sister up or to take on someone else's burden. We're like, you know, it ain't me. We'd rather talk about them instead of go and help them and lift them up. And we talk about that all the time on this broadcast about the Good Samaritan, the religious person that's claimed he knew God, the Samaritan had no relationship with God, didn't even claim he knew God. Jesus told a story about the guy that got beaten up and robbed and left for dead. Jesus asked, told a story about the two guys passing them on the path and which one was a neighbor to him, which one showed them love. And the one that sh- claimed they knew God just walked right past. What well, walk not, across right, the other side of the Now, road. he was telling that us as a teaching lesson to say, hey, don't be, don't be like this guy. Don't be a religious person. You know, be, be like the Samaritan guy was. Extend love to him. Extend, be neighborly. And again, all the stuff in the Bible always says is, it's for our spiritual enrichment and edification. It's to build us up. See, I was talking to somebody the other day about this whole Good Samaritan story where he gives, he says, I'm going to pay for his needs. But then if there's anything else that he needs, when I come back, I'll pay that too. In the modern-day vernacular, really what he did was he gave him his charge card and said, just use this however you need it. Right, bill it. Just and, and I'll pick it up when I come back. Mm-hmm. How many people in this day and age are going to find a stranger, help him out, and say, here's my charge card. Just do whatever you need to do with this card till I get back. But you know what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how it's done in heaven. That's heaven's way of doing things. And God says, I want you guys to demonstrate heaven here on earth. And I've gave, given you and left you an instruction manual to do that. The story about the Samaritan, that's part of the instruction on how we're to deal with one another, with people. That's why in this scripture in John, he said that you were to love one another. And we know from Corinthians 13 what love is and what love ain't. He said, you're supposed to love everybody. And over in 1 John, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Again, God is about love. So he tells us to abide in his love and not only, you know, come to him in the 
because he's a very present help in a time of need. But extend that love. That's part of abiding and extending it to others. You know, his kingdom come, well, his will be done. He doesn't want us to just hoard it. No. God doesn't pour his love out onto us to hoard. Into us so we can hoard no, it. No, it's all about extending, expanding he wants us to it. Give it. He freely told Adam and Eve receive, in the garden, give. I bless you, now go and multiply. God's into multiplication. That's why he tells us, go and make disciples. Well, you're going to go with love, hopefully. <laughs> Don't go make disciples grudgingly like Jonah did. But you know, go, <laughs> go in love, you know. So abide in his love. And, and as we go out into the world... God's got to open our eyes to the people that we see. People think, well, he's he's talking about the homeless, you know, that I'm supposed to have more. No, you know what? You need to have more compassion on the people you live with. You need to have more compassion with the people that you work with. You need to have more compassion with the people that you shop with. We can show God's compassion to anybody. We can show God's mercy to anybody. What we really need to do is have God open our eyes to people. To really actually see them as he does. Because it's too often we can see them, especially at work. Well, they're almost like the enemy. They're they're hankering after the same promotion you are. They're looking after the same sale you are. And so we can kind of see them as the enemy. God doesn't want us to see them as the enemy. He wants us to see them with compassion. The person in traffic with you, you can almost see them as the enemy. Boy, I'm not letting them in front of me. I'm not going to let them squeeze in here. God wants us to look at people with compassion. This can be a spouse. This can be another family member, you know, an in-law, an outlaw, whatever you want to call them, that we need to look at them with compassion, with God's compassion, and not look at them as almost like an adversary or somebody that we don't like or can't stand, but to see them as God sees them and have the same compassion toward them that he does, to have the same mercy toward them that he does, to extend grace he has given to us, to them, the same way that he does. And again, the scripture says, again, I say that the Bible is for our spiritual enrichment and edification. And the scripture says that Jesus looked out at the multitude and he had compassion for them. Again, as he is, so are we, or should be. So as we look at the multitude, those people are all around us in our environments, we should extend, have compassion for them. He's, and it went on to say, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, we can be that light. We can be that shepherd that leads those sheep to the Father as we allow our light to so shine. Again, and I equate all that to abiding in him. Abide in me and, and I abide in you. And we don't have to have a multitude, though, to show that compassion. It might be one person. Well, uh, yeah, it two people's be, a multitude. <laughs> right. I mean, it can be somebody really close to you. Well, just having compassion for people. That's what Jesus that did. Where, though, when it's somebody that we really know well and we just are tired of them or they've done something to us that we don't like, we still need to extend compassion. Well, to here's an, an example that Jesus had compassion just on one. And we talk about it a lot on this broadcast. The woman that was caught in the midst of adultery. It was just one. Jesus extended her it compassion. Wasn't a multitude. Yeah, yeah, it was just one. But the multitude wanted to stone her. <laughs> but Jesus said, no, he had compassion on her. He says, yeah, I know what the law says. But love says this. Love says extensive forgiveness. A love says don't judge her when you got stuff in your life also. You know, pull the speck out of your eye, the plank out of your eye first, before you try to pull the speck out. And again, we got to, as people, got to, as Christians, as God's children, as saints, as a body of Christ, we have to be reminded of 
the faith of Jesus. What would Jesus do? How did he demonstrate love? How did he live his life out? Because he was always teaching. Everything was a teaching moment with Jesus. And as we are studying this, the scriptures, God's word is still alive today. It says it in Hebrews, it's living and it's powerful. So it's still alive. And all we have to do is receive it in the good grounds of our heart and allow that seed to grow up. And man, we'll start demonstrating this thing. And we can do it because God wouldn't have told us we could do it if we couldn't do it. Well, we see, can do it, Richard. Well, here's, And here's the thing is that we can't do it on our own. No. Without, he said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But here's the great thing is that we don't have to do it on our own. Because you're not on your own. Because the Holy Spirit's going to allow us. Here it is right there. The Holy Spirit's going to give us the power. Yes, if I had to do it, if I had to, like that person that's despitefully used me, this person that's done me wrong, if I had to do that on my own, I couldn't do it. But I don't have to do it on my own. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And one day we're going to do a segment on just the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of Christians seem to forget about the greater one that lives inside of them. They think Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do anything. You can't do none of it. And that's the difference from Christianity in some religion god doesn't come and dwell in you through his spirit and those other ones and i'm not going to say any names but only jesus promises you a comforter the spirit of truth will come and live in right. the bible See, the you and reveal to you all our power. yeah that's we don't it have any, that's why he says you can't do anything without me right we don't have any power to do any of right. this stuff without him and again and we need to acknowledge that again we're going to do a whole week on that and again i tell people all the time Every morning, the first thing I say when I wake up, good morning, Holy Spirit, because I understand he lives in me, abides in me. He dwells in me, and I, I acknowledge him. I acknowledge that he lives in me by saying good morning, and I've talked to God through the Holy Spirit constantly. That's our, that's that, that way, that frequency that gets us connected to heaven, to God, and that's where heaven is. That's what Jesus is. You got to build that relationship with the Holy Spirit, and it's not an it. It's a person. The third person of the Godhead bodily. And again, a lot of Christians seem to forget. Remember, we leak. We'll forget that the greater one lives inside of us. If you're never talking about him, whatever you, you know, it's just like things in our society. If we never raise the issue, people will look right over that. You never raise the issue about homeless, you know, about whatever issue you want to raise, people won't even care about it. So even with the things of God, you have to be stirred up. We talked about that. The other day on the broadcast, stirring up the gift that's inside of you. You got to awaken that sleeping giant, that Holy Spirit in you. Not he, yeah. The, well, the church and individual Christians, it's easy to fall asleep. It's easy to, to just, and, and we're not talking about literally fall asleep. We're talking about figuratively fall asleep. Spiritually, huh? <laughs> Where you're just, other things are taking place. Other things are taking The, the Bible calls it the cares of this world. And pretty soon you're doing all those things and then you just don't have time and you don't, and then pretty soon, anytime you, you don't do anything, let's say you have a habit of doing something. The first time you don't do it will be hard. The second time you don't do it will be easier. And by the third time, that's your new habit. And it becomes so easy for people to develop a habit of not going to God's word, not looking at God's word, not spending any time with God. Because I know a lot of Christians busy. are like that. You're just busy doing other things. And so you just, the habit has been formed well, that not you're going to time do with this God. other stuff. Right. You get up in the morning and you turn on this show and then you read the paper and then you turn the channel to another show and then you go to work. And then the habit's been formed at work the way you operate. And then you get home and maybe you do a little yard work or whatever if it's summer. 
or you eat dinner and then you do a little yard work and then you sit down and you watch a little television. The habit's been formed, all these things that are taking place, and then you go to bed and pretty soon you you went all day and you never really thought about God at all. And then after a week of that, then you don't even really think of him and you don't even feel guilty about nothing because you just don't think about him anymore. And it's so easy to fall into those traps. It is so easy to fall into those habits where that's the norm, the way we live. Mm -hmm. And we never speak to God. We never hear from God. We never pay a lot of attention to God. And then we wonder why. We don't have the compassion that he has. We wonder why we don't show people the mercy. We wonder why we don't have the manifestation of his promises right. in we our lives. Why we don't have the power that mm -hmm. he talks about us having. Right, because you you're not spending intimate time with him. Well, I say it's because you disconnected yourself from the power Well, you, you did. You disconnected. Spiritually, you, know, you disconnected. I mean, it's almost like you got an extension cord and you just unplugged the thing. Right. Eventually, little by little, you pull it out. Little by little, you've been pulling it out. And now and all all way, you're disconnected. It, you're straight disconnected. No more and, power. And there's absolutely no power to do anything. And that's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And if you break the word nothing down, it means N-O thing. No thing. Can't do well, nothing. Well, I can go to work. People say, well, I can go to work. I went to work the whole time. Or I can work in my yard. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the spiritual things of God. You cannot do any of those things without him. You can't even be an overcomer. You can't manifest any of the promises because you disconnected. Jesus meant that when he declared, without me, you can do nothing. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Re yeah. any fruit referring to the, the body of Christ. Yeah. And the fruit comes through the root. <laughs> it gives he, life he to the branches. Saying, he yeah, was it, saying, not, you can't produce any fruit without me. Right. Not these, not these things from heaven. You can't. Now, you can produce this worldly stuff. But we well, know the wages of sin you, is death. You can produce the fruit of hate. Yeah, yeah. You can produce you can all produce that stuff. The fruit of anger. Yeah. The the work the Bible calls it the works of the flesh. And he said they are evident. And he goes to list them in the Galatians. Envy, strife, hatred, outburst of wrath. Yeah, you're producing all that. Yeah, you can produce But you ain't gonna produce no all. fruit of the spirit. None whatsoever. Right. So See, again, the only way you can do that is through the spirit, through right. the power of the spirit. And and and, the, and here's the deal, you know, God desires us to be fully pleasing to him. And that should be our desire. You know, I, I talk to God all the time about, Father, I, I know I'm not perfect in of myself, but my desire is to be fully pleasing to you. That's my desire. So hear my heart and, and lead me into righteousness. You know, lead me on that. I know I'm going to make some mistakes, but remind me to come and ask for forgiveness. Remind me to go and apologize to that person. Remind me to extend forgiveness to that person. And here's the deal, Richard. I'm getting good at it. Because I know I missed the mark. I know I'm not perfect. I know, you know, sometimes the flesh, it wants to resurrect. <laughs> and life will give it an opportunity to resurrect. But the scripture says, crucify the flesh daily. And that's a form of crucifying it, you humbling yourself and asking somebody to forgive you. You know, extending forgiveness to others. You know, apologizing to somebody. That's crucifying that flesh. Because, you know, the flesh is proud. Yeah, it, it's prideful. It don't want to go and admit that it was wrong. Right, I, I'm going to have yeah, to yeah, tell I, you I was wrong. Yeah, I got to oh, tell you I was wrong. You know how small that's going to make me feel? Right. And you know what's funny is that people don't even want to do that with their spouse. This person right. claim to love. They don't want to do it with their right. children. And that's where you need to start at. That's you know, a good starting place with your spouse. And I, mean, I had to learn that. E it's just, it is kind of amazing, though, when you think about it, how this person that you claim to love more than anybody else. Like Christ loved the church. You don't want to debase yourself before them. 
Right. You don't want to admit, hey, I was wrong. I did something that wasn't right. Our pride just wants to stick in there and and hold our ground and never let up on any of and it. And you got to crucify that flesh daily. You may have to meditate on what Paul declared over in Galatians 2.20. I have crucified myself. It is not me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. You got to declare it. Flesh, you are crucified. I'm crucified with Christ Jesus. Yeah, the life that I live now, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. You may have to meditate on it and start declaring that. Because here's the deal. Death and life is still in the power of the tongue. And our words, when we're speaking in line with God's word, are spiritual seed. Angels hearkening to the voice of the word of God. When we declare the word of God, angels go on assignment to bring that thing to pass. They, they, them the ones that take that word from us to heaven, bam, through that Holy Spirit. It, they all work together. We forget about angels, too, but angels encamp around about us. Scripture says he's given his angels charge over us. And angels have jobs to do. Ask Daniel. Yeah, Daniel dispatched some angels. Jesus said, I can call on about six legions of angels if I want to. Yeah, we forget about the things of God because we get caught up in. Remember, if you're a friend with this world, <laughs> you're an enemy against God. We get caught up in the things of the world and not the things of the spirit. And here's the deal. The spiritual is more real than the physical because everything in this physical has a spiritual component. It started in the spirit. Now what? You've got to convince Christians of that fact, though, because well, they look. With it's their, written. They look at with their physical eyes and they see all this stuff. We walk by faith and not so by sight. They see all the things of this world and then it becomes easy to think those are the things that are real. Jesus said, those though, the, the outward man is perishing, here. yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And he said, don't. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. See, and that's what we got to convince people of. This is, are these things they can see and feel and well, touch and taste, well, they're the temporary things. Right. Well, they, they think they, those are the real things that will last forever, but they're not. They're just temporary. Temporary. It's going to pass away. All he, this stuff. Jesus related it to just with grass. He broke, broke it down real simple. This grass is here today. Hey, by the next season, it's gone. <laughs> Well, the next it, day is gone. Right, right. You see it today, shoot, especially if some cows grazing on it, you ain't going to see it tomorrow or some birds eating off of it. That's how the things which you can see, but the eternal things, which I understand are spiritual things, the word of God is spiritual. Well, see, when he's talking about that verse there, when he says that a man is like a blade of grass that comes up and withers and is gone and his place remembers it no more, then he goes on to say, but the word of God lasts forever. It what, do it. what he's trying to That's show what I'm is saying the difference here. between us and God and the things of this world and God. All of these things are just merely temporary. But, and here's the deal. We get to declare the word of God because angels hearken to the voice of the word of God. I can put this Bible right here up to this mic. I'm putting the Bible to the mic. What's happening? Nothing. You covered up the mic. Right. But now I, I can speak. What's written, and I bet you angels, they hearken to the voice of the word of God. We as the children of God, we have authority to give voice to the word of God. And angels go receive that word and go make it happen. So that's why Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Well, he knew whatever he said was going to come to pass. That's why he can declare the words that I speak. Well, the word of God is living and active. And powerful. We know that from Genesis 1. 
God always, of the Spirit just spoke, and what happened? And it was always accomplishes its purpose. There it is. So, and we have a right to speak it. Null and void. And that's a whole other subject of, of about us declaring what thus said the, the Lord. We have to say what his word but says. But I, th I think what you said there was key, too, is that we have the right to speak it. We do. We're the children. Why, why do so many Christians, though, act as if they don't have the right? They, they don't have the ability to speak it or that they're not allowed to speak it or they can't speak it. Well, we have the right the, to speak God's word. Scripture says in all you're getting, get understanding. you got to constantly grow in the knowledge of the Lord's will. And I'm going to give you a quick example with, with parents and children in a household. You know, kids can go, especially if some one of the siblings is messing up, they can go and say, Daddy said, blah, 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 blah. And guess what? Daddy ain't got to be nowhere in the room, but Daddy's <laughs> word holds weight. Well, our father said, he told us what's written. And Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the father, out of daddy's mouth. So when daddy says something, you can take it to the bank. Yeah, you so, so we have, we're children of the most high God, so we can declare what daddy said, and it holds weight in the spirit, and eventually in the natural. Because everything in the natural, in the physical, has a spiritual component. You know, the things which are seen are upheld by things you can't see. And in Hebrews, it says, the world is uphold, held by the word of God. Because he spoke it in the beginning. And it's still, uh, I'm looking outside right now, it's still holding up. <laughs> yeah, the trees are still blooming. Day, sun, day and night is happening. Right, the earth spins yeah, and does yeah. all this stuff because of power. Because he spoke it. He spoke people, it initially. Say, well, God rested, so he's not doing anything. No, no he, he did everything. It's all still working because right. of God's power. That's why he can rest. He can accomplish what he willed. Boom. And you should be able to do that. When you said it's finished, Jesus said it's finished. When you declare some things, and that's a whole other teaching on the power of words. When you declare what thus said the Lord or speak in line with God's word, you have it. So if he says abide in his love, sometimes you may just have to say, remind yeah, yourself, Lord, I abide in you. We'll I abide in your love. Pretty quick about the power of words. Oh, we will eventually. How, we'll get to it. How our words can hurt people, how our words can build people up. Hey, come to Raymond Word of Faith. We talk about that every but Sunday. I mean, you know, people forget that your words can beat people up. Your, you got to be reminded. They can beat them down. I know. They can lift them up. They can hurt them. And over in James, he's talking about that. He said, with our words, we, we, we bless God. And with those same words, we curse men who are made in the similitude of God. But I mean, you can tell a kid, you're stupid. You'll never be any good at that. You're, you and they'll never, start believing it. And pretty soon they will, they will never be any good at whatever it was. Well, because it's self-fulfilling prophecy. They can speak that or you can speak that over them. Well, right now we're out of time, but you know we're definitely not out of faith or word. And uh, if this broadcast, again, has been a blessing to you, want you prayerfully consider sowing a seed into this ministry. Just send all uh, love offerings to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. And just remember, as you go through this week, keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you would consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us again next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.